Howdy, folks. Welcome back to another episode of the Dream Big Podcast with Bob Goff and Friends. I'm your co-host, Scott Schimmel. I'm here by the power of the internet with Bob Goff. Hey, everybody. I hope you're doing great, that it's been a great weekend, and you are in for a treat this morning. Scott, who do we have? We have Amanda and Abner, who you would probably recognize as you're listening in to uh, from Johnny Swim, which has become one of my favorite bands, artists. They are this really thoughtful couple who are living a life uh, uh, really out loud right now during the quarantine time. They're living their life not only professionally, but also personally on the internet, through Instagram, through Instagram Live, doing a cooking show by producing music with their fans and their guests. And then we get to have a conversation with them about what does it look like to be isolated but not disconnected from our friends, which I know every single person listening in has been wrestling with that, thinking about that. How do we be both isolated, socially distanced, but seek connection, build intimacy, build friendships through this time? So you're going to love, I think, this conversation. And you know the way we get there is uh, there's no secret recipe. It's just authenticity. And what you're going to hear is a very authentic relationship. It's a conversation among friends uh, uh, that's just authentic. And that's, I think, what we're really longing for. Uh, I think we've got all the information we need. What we want is authentic relationships to understand who we are, why we're doing what we're doing, and to have a greater purpose. And uh, Abner and Amanda do such a great job at describing their lives. So listen in to us as we have this conversation. Hey, go go ahead. So tell me about your ambitions. I'm just so glad you guys are with us. So uh, for the people that haven't met you before or heard your music, can you uh, introduce yourself and tell us how you spend your weeks? I'm Abner Ramirez. I'm Amanda. We are Johnny Swim. We're a married couple that travel the world singing songs. Now we make TV shows too. We uh, we we are a couple of wild people that that believed above all else that we didn't have to choose between our dreams and our family. That we didn't have to we didn't have to focus the fire of ambition in one particular lane. We believed early on that you can burn hot for both all the things you want to hold in life, all the things you want to accomplish and achieve and the family and community you want to have and hold together. And we are so grateful. We're, we're in a season in our life right now where we are reaping fruit from that fight. We are able to see that we can take three kids on the road all around the world. We've traveled our, our oldest is two. Nope. Nope, he's not two. Nope. <laughs> we dropped two people. <laughs> See, I don't want that back. Uh, we have a two-year-old, we have a newborn, and we have a five-year-old. Oh. And before he turned two, he was on 200 flights. He had gone to 48 states, nine countries. Uh, and that's something we're really proud of, not just because he's got stamps in his passport, not just because he's got things he's done, but because it's an evidence that the job we've always wanted includes traveling all the time. Yeah, and the evidence yeah. that we can have a family and chase that job, that career path at the same time is uh, that's why I'm proud that my kid before he was two had 200 flights in 48 states. I feel like there should be a side note that it was actually 100 flights. 100 flights. My 40, bad. In 48 states. Um, but close enough, you know. Like yeah. But I totally get the idea. You guys, Amanda, what, what was your perspective on this? I was going to say, it's funny because my mom was a musician. My parents were musicians. So I grew up touring. 
um, and being on the road and kind of doing the same thing where my, you know, my parents were following their dreams or passionate about what they did. They loved their careers, but they clearly loved their family more and they were able to kind of bring my sisters and I along with them. And so there was always this part of me early on that was like, well, I watched it happen. I was part of that. I can do it. And my kids can turn out. I mean, I'm semi-normal. So like my kids will be semi-normal and like in some ways they'll be even better off because they've been able to see stuff and meet people and, and, and be uncomfortable, which I feel like is a, a good quality for kids to have sometimes and good quality for adults to have sometimes. Um, but there was also part of me that, that would look at my parents and go, yeah, but they had like a lot of nannies and they had the means to be able to, you know, fly us back and forth or do, do things. And we're kind of, we're not the same type of musicians. We're like road dog musicians. You yeah, know, we're not like pop star musicians. We're, we're a different kind. And so when we got married, we started talking about kids. I kind of had this conflicting thought, you know, with the whole thing, because on the one hand, I was like, okay, no, I've seen it done in some way. And so it can be done. And there was another part of me that was like, I, I don't know, but how does it, like, how does that work? How do you play shows at clubs at 11 and then wake up and feed a baby? You know what I mean? Like, how does that, where do you, how do you fly with a baby and how do you do all this stuff? Um, and luckily I had, you know, people in my life that I could call. Um, I had, you know, my dear friend Ellie Holcomb and Joy Williams were there uh, quite, quite a lot when I was pregnant and was like, okay, how does this work? You know, how do you, yeah. and everybody, you know, was doing it in a different way, but they were doing it. And that kind of gave me the, the spark to go, okay, okay, I can, I can, I can do this. And, and it's definitely what we felt called to do. So I knew that there was going to be provision in it, but there, that doesn't mean that there wasn't a lot of, but, and honestly, every single kid that we have, so three times now, we we reach a point during the pregnancy where you go, oh my gosh, we're going to have to bring this baby on tour. How is this? <laughs> I mean, every time, yes. by the time little Paloma came along, we were kind of like, we don't have any clue, but it's going to be all right. We'll figure yes, all the nerves are shot. I think I love most people that are listening. Uh, at some point, they decide to chuck the roadmap. Because these maps don't take you to the places you want to go. Uh, oftentimes, the maps or you know culture gives them to you, or a comparison will load you up with a bunch of maps. But you two decided we want to actually off-road a little bit, and so that's this uh, this thing that we're not called to a business trip; we're called to an adventure. I just love that you guys are adventuring as a family. So. Um, one of the things that will happen is that uh, you'll be misunderstood along the way. For people that are listening in, you have an ambition, you've decided, like Amanda and Abner, we're not going to uh, be somebody else's version of us. We're going to be us, uh, but you'll be misunderstood along the way. How do you guys deal with being misunderstood? If you had like either... So for songwriters, it's easy because you get all sad and emotional and you just write a song about it. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of sad. Uh, nobody knows me. Uh, yes, you know, I'm on the enneagram, but I feel I feel very connected to fours. I remember many a conversation with my mom growing up about you know the lack of friends and like whatever. I grew up in a small town uh, on the west side of Jacksonville called Marietta, uh, and in Marietta, first of all, I, I was one of the first brown kids on the block. You know, very very southern. Uh, traditional, you know, uh, whatever spot. Brown folks weren't weren't plenty there, and so now I want to be a singer. I want to be. There was nobody to give me advice. There was nobody. There was nobody to show me the way. There's there's the path to it. Go uh, go get on that road. 
that'll take you where you're headed, man. Just go there. There was absolutely none of that. It was really the contrary. I had a, a mentor of mine in, in church when I was 17. I was like, man, I think I'm going to, when I graduate high school, I'm going to go to Nashville. I'm going to become a professional songwriter and, you know, chase this thing down. And he said, well, Abner, and he handed me a quarter, promise you. Like, real story. He handed me a quarter. I said, okay. I, you know, you can feel, uh, you can, you can feel a sermon coming a mile away. Yeah, uh, no kidding. It was a short one. He said, here's, here's this quarter. Why don't you hold on to it? Because if you move to Nashville and try to become a songwriter, you're going to be homeless. And you're going to need to call somebody. Save this quarter for when you're homeless. Call me, and I'll come pick you up. He talks a lot. Hemingway. Oh, so good. And from, from him, it was a really genuine, hey, I'm there for you. Nobody else is going to tell you the truth. I'll tell you the truth. This is what it is. And uh, I think, I, I'm sure you get, callous is the wrong word. You you learn early on, even if you don't have the vocabulary for it, and, and we have a little bit of it now, that life is bespoke to you. Life is completely custom fit. You are God's one and only expression of you that will ever exist on the planet. There's not, the universe isn't going to decide 200 years from now. You know, tried really hard on Abner 1. Let's get Abner 2 locked in. He'll do the path better. This is it. This is, uh, we are an expression of God's personality, of, of God himself, a unique expression that will never exist again. We were born at a the specific time in history that we were meant to be born in. We were placed in the region that we were meant to be placed in. I, I believe that with all my heart. And I, I look back at all the discouragement and realize that it, it in some ways was fuel, but in other ways, it, the, the nose and the discouragement charted a path just as much as any yeses. In some ways more. Or, yeah, some ways more, as yeah, much as any yeah. guidance could have given us. Isn't that crazy how that works? Like sometimes the difficult things in our lives prepare us for the better things in our lives. At that time, it's just feeling hard. And to just get real with that instead of faking it, to say, like, this is really hard. And for a seven on the Enneagram, it's really hard for me to say it's hard. Not because I'm trying to impress somebody. I could be, like, dealing with something really difficult uh, inside. But I don't want to bum the two of you out. I don't want to burden you with that. So I just try to, like, look beyond that. I'm looking at the horizon. And one of the things that I'm learning is that just that self-awareness and to trust people to say, you know what, I'm going to just talk about not where I'm headed, but let me just tell you where I am and be authentic about it. And sometimes that uh, takes a little bit of digging myself too to overcome a fear for me uh, would be of rejection. Uh, early on, as a kid covered in freckles, uh, there was somebody that called me Spot. Isn't that crazy? Uh, and I'm not going to tell you my sister's name, but, but Karen she would call me spot all the time. And it used to hurt my feelings so bad, right? But I think one of the things that I've realized is that, to your point, I'm Gen 1. I'm the only Bob here. This is like, I want to put a flag in the sand, one that says Amanda, one that says Abner, one for each of your three kids, and say, we're Gen 1, believing that heaven is leaning over the rails and they can't wait to see what we turn into. And I think if we were living with that kind of anticipation, it would. Uh, it, it's still hard when you're misunderstood. But if you guys are reminded about these three questions I ask myself all the time is like, what do I want? Why do I want it? And what am I going to do about it? 
So uh, like what I wanted was sweet Maria Goff. I just wanted her to go out on a date with me. And I loved her enough for both of us. Like if even if she was in for 10%, I was in for 190%, we'd both be there. Uh, that's probably why you got dibs on Amanda. So what do you want? And then why do you want it? Is it, do you want it? Did you want a relationship because you were lonely? Did you want a relationship kind of like Jerry Maguire where he said, you complete me? And I just think, actually, it's Jesus that completes us. Um, or do you want a relationship because you want to share the adventure? Tell me about the two of you. How did you guys, why did you decide you wanted each other? Because three uh, kids into this, you, you're on a trajectory to something big. We we uh, we genuinely like each other, which is very helpful, I think, in marriage. <laughs> but I, uh, we met when we were first like 18, 19, maybe. And we saw each other from across the crowd room. We went to the same church, but we didn't really know each other. I knew, I knew some of his friends. He knew some of mine. But um, there was like certain people that he hung out with that really didn't like me. And so I was like, oh, they don't like me. They, or at least they act like they don't like me. So if he's friends with them, then he's not going to like me either. So even though I thought he was like really cute and I was like, oh, he's cute. I was like, I'm just going to walk away. And so I literally avoided him. Like he parked cars. He was a valet parker at um, the Green Hills Mall in Nashville. And one time I pulled my car up and I, I didn't realize it was him. And I saw him walk to the car and I drove off. Like I no. Said, I parked behind the mall, like where at the time the employees parked because they were like renovating. So I parked, I went through the employee entrance, the whole thing, because I was like, I just, he made me nervous. I don't know. I don't think I trust this guy. And then four years later, we actually saw each other at a coffee shop and he came up to me and was like, I've been wanting to meet you for so long. And he was the most, you know, generous, seven bringing people in, you know, sat down with my friends and I just like, just had a great little conversation. It was totally amazing and uh and so that's when i was like okay maybe maybe he's like a little bit different but i was dating somebody else so by the time i broke up with the other guy i started like being friends with him but we were like we want to take it really slow because that was part of the thing like okay we both like each other but like where where do we think it's headed and what do we actually want and like are we am i am i lonely i'm like i moved from new york back to nashville and i was like am i lonely are we hanging out is it just fun? Do I just want to make out with somebody? Do I want to make, you know, like, what are all the things? In your, in your, in your early <laughs> yes to all the above. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, who's, to, who's to say? So there's somebody listening, no doubt, that's trying to figure out, well, what do I want? And for somebody, it's a relationship. And so what a great thing to say. So why do I want that? Um, is it because I'm lonely? And uh, just get super real with that and say like that. Can If I'm apart from Sweet Maria out talking places, I get super lonely. Um, and so to just realize, get real with that, but then to say, hey, is there a thing underneath that? Like what I'm really longing for is to be known. Uh, and is there a way that we could connect in a way? And I think you guys have such a strong connection with each other. No doubt you've navigated all the language to get there and the words that you use with each other. How do you um, uh, edit your words? I know we have spell check. When you're sending an email, spell check will correct it. Uh, sometimes I wish I had like auto like thought check that would like the thing in the thought bubble, like before I set it, it would go like, or kindness check before I pressed it, it would have to go through the kindness check and like remove the words that weren't. So I know for Marie and I, we spend a lot of time on the words that we use. Oh, I'll give you an example. I've spent 61 years not saying the word virus. I've never said it before. 
until like six weeks ago. So what we do, we call it glitter around here. We just say, don't get the glitter on you. That's yeah. it. That sounds about right. Something super yeah. that's that You can't get out of the carpet. <laughs> yeah. So what you can do, how do you guys like navigate the difficult things in your communication uh, without kind of getting the glitter on you? That's a great question. I, I don't really know the answer, but I do know that we actually had a conversation two days ago because something that I, I struggle with as a wife and, and honestly being home because we're not ever home this much and, you know, both kind of playing full-time homeschooling parent, mom, dad, and working kind of simultaneously, but we work together. So it's really hard to like, you know, the kids get screen Well, I'm in the office, babe. So you take care of the kids. We, we don't have that because we're, we're both in the office. We both need to be doing stuff. Um, and so I wanted him to like do the dishes or something, you know, something like that. And so, but I, I wanted to make sure that I didn't come across nagging. And that's like always something that I struggle with. Like, I'm like, I don't want to nag you. So I won't say it. But then after a while, I'm like, oh, your stuff's out again, you know? And he's like, well, you could just ask me. So I did the opposite. And I was like, so maybe what we could do. And I like made it like I was talking to a five-year-old. And then he was yeah. like, you don't have to talk. Just say That it. ain't working. Like, yeah. That actually made me mad. Yeah. He like made, made him mad. He's like, why are you like, talking? What are you doing to me? What are you doing? <laughs> I was like, dang it. I'm just, I don't know. <laughs> Are you handling me right now? But it's definitely, that is, that is a, I wish I also had that thought bubble thing. Uh, it, it's funny. And, and I'm, I, I know you could speak to this way more than we could, but even just in the 15 years we've been together, a man and I, it's the way we, we walk through difficult conversations of being frustrated with each other has taken many turns. And there's moments that you grow in leaps and moments where you kind of crawl in growth. One of the leap growth moments for us and how to handle moments where we're frustrated with each other or whatever is uh, making sure I'm fed. If I haven't eaten, and I, I don't mean like she makes sure that I eat. No. If I mean, I, she notices he's being short. Has he eaten? I mean, you need to eat some. Oh, yeah, I need to eat some. If I realize I'm being short, I'm like, I got to eat some. I'm sorry. I got to. That was literally the secret in the first five years of our relationship, the secret to our success was never arguing hungry. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. I always had snacks. Like when Southwest Airlines would give out peanuts, I would take a couple yes. extra out of my purse. And that like little moment of like, like, well, I don't know, like that he would get a tone in his voice and normally I would get my feelings hurt and be like, well, you, I was just asking a question, you don't know, you know, or whatever. As soon as I would hear it, instead of taking it at all personally, I would just hand the snack over. He just would eat needs, it, and then like five minutes later, he'd be like, babe, I'm sorry, what were you saying? Yeah, the brother just needs a cliff bar. Exactly. Yeah. It was like yep. the magic Jekyll Hyde potion. It's so corny. It's so weird, yeah. but it really, like, kind of saved us when we were dating. Yeah. <laughs> I think you need one of those, uh, in case of emergency, break glass, he gave a hot dog behind there. So <laughs> and for me, it's a nap. Like, I will act like that. And then if and then he'll just go okay just go ahead and lay down. The opposite for me was our his version for me is that he always brings me coffee every morning. I lay yeah. in bed, he brings me coffee, and I don't get out of bed until I've had a few sips because we realized early on that I would get out of bed and be like, well, we've got to get this done, and and I don't know, and I'm tired, and uh, and I would like immediately go into kind of panic, stress mode. Yeah. And he would just be like, go back to bed. You're not ready to get up yet. And he, would, he would bring me coffee. And so that's what we do. I have snacks and he brings me coffee. She's like a jet. She's like a jet. She needs a, she's like a plane versus a helicopter, right? Like you got to give her a runway for a takeoff. Yes. Well said. So that, that runway is making sure it's starting the day off for her. And that's, it's not something, uh, it's not like a pat on the back husband thing. It's like, we're all going to be happier. 
if I well, I think first. yeah, I think for all of us, if we can just make known what we need, like so, we need to like know what you want means knowing what you need, and then finding words. Uh, do keep it up in the thought bubble while you're trying to figure it out. But then if you could say, I just need you to listen. I don't need a response. I just need you to listen for, uh, just hear me out. And I'm not going to do a great job saying this, but let me just make a whack at that. And I just don't need you to respond at all. And then we're just going to go for a walk. And uh, so to kind of like send in the plays, give a cue for sweet Marie and I, if I get my feelings hurt, old Bob used to like totally turtle. I would be like arms, legs, tail, head, everything in the shell. And new Bob is learning because I've learned that Sweet Marie is just a safe place to make a note. I could say, I think this is what I need. I think I just need a little bit of time to take a breath and like not talk about anything to do with this person or whatever it is. And that's actually been helpful. I've got one last thing I want to talk to you guys about because you've struck a balance, not just within your family, because you know what you want for the two of you and for your family. And, but you also have these dreams and ambitions as it relates to the world. And one of the things I uh, dialed into just a day or two ago, I wanted to hear you put a song together because I'd been hearing you're doing that with people. Tell us what that is. Once a, is it once a week? Once a week, Jared. What are you doing? We took two weeks off because uh, it got really exhausting. The last song. So here's what the story is. We decided since we're not outperforming right now, we were supposed to be doing our biggest tour ever, biggest tour, our first arena tour, Madison Square Garden, uh, Oracle Arena in Oakland, like all the all the mega opening, spots. but still. Yeah, as an opening slot, but still our biggest our biggest tour, twelve thousand people a night. Uh, obviously, that's not happening right now. And I get home off of tour. We used to travel 300 days a year. And those 56 days, if there was like a group of five bunched together, those five days were hard. Now it's about 200 days a year. And it's still hard after being on the road for a while, even just going to bed, just for me to lay down and just decide, okay, I've been conscious enough today. I'm going to lay down and go to sleep. It's tough. I keep my show hat next to my bed. One night I literally asked Amanda to clap for me. I put my show hat on. She applauded for me. I just need that adrenaline rush, you know? Yeah. That's awesome. So she applauded for me, and I went to bed. I slept so great. It's super weird, but it's awesome. No, that's great. And that's on a regular working year. It's hard to be home for me because I, 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 I love the risk of a concert. I love the risk of performance. I love the risk of, of, being able to pour your heart out and, and mess up or it, not knowing how it's going to be received, it's it really is addictive. And so here we are. We've been home since March 13th. I don't know how many days that is, but 40-something, 50 days or whatever. Maybe 60? Almost. I was going to guess about 1,000. Yeah. I've been looking for this outlet, and so I had this idea. What if we got on Instagram Live and chose a random person and wrote a song with them that day on Instagram Live. And then the thought kind of kept snowballing. People always ask what the process is like. Why don't we show them? Why don't we write the song on Instagram Live, record the song, mix it, master it, produce it, and release it all in one fell swoop, and people can watch the whole thing, the boring parts, the exciting parts, whatever. And so we talked to like our management. We had to, we had to have like the formal conversations Ever, they have it, to have in order it, to release it music. It got ramped up. It got. It started with like, let's just like, what if I just like wrote a song with somebody online? And I was like, yeah, let's do that. And he didn't yeah. think I'd want to. And then it turned into like, 
ooh, maybe we could like record it, like record, like do the whole thing. I'm like, yeah, it's cool. It's like, maybe we could do it all in one day. I was like, you're getting. <laughs> and then it went from amped. 24 hours to 12. I said, I bet we could do it in 12 hours. And uh, the conversation I have even with other songwriters a lot is what do you, what do you, how do you write with somebody that's not a songwriter? And it really comes back to the point of how everybody's journey is completely theirs. Nobody else has, there's no other representation of Abner's journey in life and, and consciousness or whatever. And you just talk to somebody, just get to know them, see what happens. And so we did it the first day after I talked a big game to our management, to everybody, right? Like, it's just going to happen. We got everything cleared, the pathway cleared to be able to write a song, record it, release it. I got my friends on call in their home studios, ready to record bass for me, drums, whatever. I started sweating bullets as we just got on Instagram Live. And I'm a, I, Amanda likes to joke that I, more than I make a career out of playing music, I make a career out of being confident, uh, that I was so nervous. Really? I'm nervous. What was it? Just that it wouldn't be good or that people that wouldn't would accept that it? it would, yeah. That it, would, that it would be bad. That it would be like the worst song ever. That it wouldn't connect emotionally. Because really even that's the... That's the, what we were looking for in doing it in the first place. We like to say we don't want to perform in cities. We want to perform for cities. We like the idea that we could congregate, but we fight even in concert for a sense of communion. You're not just yeah. there watching us. We're gathered around something greater than ourselves. Yeah. We, we, we're Christians. We're spiritual people. We believe that regardless of the atmosphere, regardless if we're playing at a bar, if we're playing at the Ryman, or if we're playing at some mega church or some small church, we, we know and we've experienced God himself show up in the most unexpected environments, right? And so there's this risk and this communion that we want. And so for me, I was nervous that it would just be a song, that we would write a song with a stranger and it wouldn't be much, that there wouldn't be any teeth on it. Yeah. That it would, that it would be maybe, sure, we, built, we, drew a, we drew a tree, but you couldn't taste the fruit, you know? And every week, we've done it five times now, we'll do it again. We're going to do it eight total times, and we're releasing it as an album, Johnny Swims. No, yeah. get out of town. The song, <laughs> I mean, like the song we wrote the very first week, we chose the person completely at random. Her name's Maddie. Maddie is a teacher for uh, handicapped children in Atlanta. Her fiancé is a military guy in San Antonio that was moving to California. He was going to move to California, get the house ready. She was going to meet him, get married. He was out of his apartment in San Antonio, and the day before his flight to California, He's, California, yeah, hotel. California went on lockdown, and he he at that point had been stuck in the hotel for a month, and she was oh. stuck in Atlanta, and they couldn't see each other, and they couldn't get together, and you know the song wrote itself, and it was yeah, and it was beautiful experience to get to know Maddie, and to hear about this relationship and this this beautiful thing, and we uh, if risk is really what we were looking for, because I believe that sense of community and communion, there has to be some, there has, there's a cost. You have to risk something. You have to give something up that you can't get back in order to achieve it. Uh, it, it if that's what we're looking for, we got it in, uh, in spades doing songs. Of so good. I'm just so glad that somebody had asked me once, what's my definition of love. And I think it's sacrifice and commitment to your point. It's, it involves risk. It's not, it's like that uh, scripture, like, I will not give you something that costs me nothing. 
Um, and so there's something beautiful about that. And so if you're listening, and uh, we need to land the plane, but if you've been listening, what would be your next risky move? What would be something that you can do? It's a phone call. It's a text. It's a creative expression. I've never given Sweet Maria a daisy that had more than three petals on it. And the first time she's like, defective daisy, and then she's like, oh, wait, he loves me. He loves me not. He loves me. Yeah. But so an expression, if you can't write a song, if you can't play a kazoo, who cares? You can be you, and you would be the most creative expression of God's beautiful gift to the earth ever. And so you're Gen 1. You're you. Uh, Abner, Amanda, thank you so much for making some time. Blessings on you and the family, and can't wait to get into some mischief with you guys really soon. Your time. Thank Truly, you. it was a pleasure for us. Blessings on you guys. Well, Bob, that was such a fun conversation. We obviously got to have not just a sneak peek into how they do their family and life. We get to sneak peek into their family. We even listening into baby noises as they're on yes, the conversation. Yes, I love that. So it made me want to have another kid. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how sweet Maria will feel about that. <laughs> well, in in this time of isolation and social distancing, what what does it look like for you, Bob, to connect and stay close with the people around you? Not just obviously Maria and your kids, but your close friends. What have you been doing to, to connect? Yeah, I've just uh, put such a high value on availability um, that I don't always uh, hit the mark that I've set for myself, but I really just try to be available to people uh, by answering emails. Something is innocuous is that, but I get five or 600 a day. So that keeps me pretty busy. And then answering phone calls. And, and again, uh, to your point about connection and purpose that sometimes people just want to know that they're seen. I'm one of those guys. I just want to, if I send somebody an email, I would just want to know that uh, I was seen and I was worth uh, responding to. And so uh, Abner and Amanda do that with their music. Uh, you're listening. You do that in your life. You have the ability to show up the most authentic, humble version of you, and then just let that off the chain and see what happens in your life. And crazy things will happen. You'll actually find your ambitions as this happens. It'll be the conversations. And and uh, this John 6, 29 says this, your work is to believe in the one God sent. I just want to kind of blow the foam off the top. Like that's our work. And along the way, what we do is we get to share some time with each other. We've, my wife and I have been looking to be so much more creative, like Abner and Amanda. We've been hosting these movie nights uh, in the front of our house on the garage with the projector. And the neighbors that we've known for years, we're now spending a lot of time together, even though we're, you know, 10, 20 feet apart. And that sparked some fantastic conversations late into the night with my neighbors. Amazing conversations we never would have had. Oh, I love that. I love that you're doing that. When we uh, were down by the bay here in San Diego, and when the kids were young, we uh, got a projection camera. We strung bed sheets from the second story all the way to the bottom. Uh, and then we would project like Toy Story up against the house and all oh, the no boaters <laughs> would come in and drop anchor. Uh, it was kind of like, you know, the aquatic version of a drive-in. Uh, but that is what, what you want to do is just find a reason to bring all of your game to the people around you. And the crazy part, you're not doing it with an agenda other than 
the promise that you're going to find more meaning, you're going to find more purpose as you engage the world around you with your creativity. You may not be able to write a song with a fan, uh, but you could hum a lyric with somebody. You could write somebody a poem, if that's your thing. Write five sentences. You don't have to write a whole book. Write a paragraph. And so that what we release into the world actually sometimes like a pinball starts bouncing off these cushions yep. and it returns in, in the form of meaning. What what we didn't get to see is the uh, kind of recipient of has as Abner and Amanda are creating music with these fans of theirs. It would be so interesting to hear what's the net result in that person's life. What is that like to be on the receiving end of that, the co-creation end? And I know as they've been creative with things like Instagram Live or Facebook Live, that's a small thing I've been doing too, reaching out to folks and saying, hey, could I interview you, really have a conversation with you on the internet? And of course people are like, yeah, yeah, of course. And to have a thoughtful conversation, which I would never have done that if it wasn't for this time trying to be creative. So think about the ways that you can be creative and reaching out to folks and setting up new things and new ways to spark a conversation and allow that pinball effect to happen. I think it's a honor and respect that we can give and that we enjoy receiving and no better way to honor and respect people than to engage them. So you guys pull over, find a wide spot in the road, write down some of the things that uh, pinged you from something Amanda or Abner had to say, and then just continue to live these lives that you're living with uh, purpose and meaning, giving honor and respect to the people around you. The most frequent questions we hear at Dream Big are actually really simple. The questions are this, how do I do it? How do I focus on my ambitions and bring them to life? How do I reorganize everything and move towards these dreams that are inside me? That's what Dream Big is all about. And we wanna give you an actual resource that you can use so that you can move from your ideas and your ambitions to reality. So go to the link in the show notes, download a really simple workbook that you can use today.